The Center for Thinking Biblically is a ministry of the Master's University. Visit thinkbiblically.org for more information. In Genesis chapter 3, we have a challenge. We have a very serious challenge where Satan uses a serpent to overthrow man against God. It's the subversion of everything God has set up. God made man over creation, and now Satan is trying to use creation against man, against God. And this is a subversive effort. This is a coup, in essence. And here's the caveat. It almost looks like, at first, Satan wins. That's the scary thing, because man eats the fruit. He's the one who's responsible. And there are just this deluge of consequences that come in. And it reminds us that sin is the issue. That's what we have to understand from a biblical worldview. Our problems ultimately and always go back to sin. They always go back to disobedience to God. Every issue and every problem and every dilemma of this world is due to sin. That's always been the issue, and ultimately that's illustrated in this, because death comes into the world because of sin. Disaster has now erupted for the first time in creation. Has Satan won? Well, what's going on here? How is God going to use this for his glory? Well, God arrives on scene. And in fact, he is in control this whole time. This is all part of his plan. He doesn't have a plan B. He doesn't have a secondary option. Everything is perfectly going according to his planned intention. And this is part of that. In fact, he even calls Adam. Where are you? He's calling to him for his redemption. He's calling to him for his salvation. And so he summons Adam and he ushers now with Adam, with Eve or the woman present, and with the serpent present and Satan present, a very, very important statement, Genesis 3.15. This is the very way God will go about proving the thesis of the Bible. The thesis is about God's glory. The thesis, as Job reminds us, is about God's righteousness and his rightness in a world gone wrong. But how is he going to show that? Well, Job has already reminded us us of it. It's through the gospel, and that's exactly what Genesis 3.15 talks about. Some people call it the proto-euangelion, the first gospel, and that's what we see in Genesis 3.15. And God says and declares to Satan, you haven't won in the near term. I will put enmity between you and the woman. You thought you could manipulate her. You thought you could overcome her. No, that's not the case. You did not win in the near term. Furthermore, God says, you aren't going to win in the long term either. I will put enmity between you and the woman and her seed and your seed. There will be offspring that follow Satan, ultimately, are under his sway. But God will always have a righteous remnant. He will always preserve his own in a line that will resist that reality and prove that Satan hasn't won even in the historical broad sweep of history. And here's what God says in the end, and you won't win ultimately either. You won't win ultimately either because there will be a champion. He, he will come out from that line and he will crush your head. This is champion versus champion. This is Satan, your head versus the seed. He will crush. And with that, this is a singular hero, a hero that represents the entire line. After all, they're held in parallelism. This is the foundation of even substitutionary atonement, a representative that does something on the group's behalf. That's already found there. And he is singular. Why? Because he's a singular champion. He's what we would call the Messiah, the Christ, the one who will reign and win. And on top of all that, he's a he. You say, well, why wouldn't a he be a he? Well, think about this with me. 
in the declaration of the first gospel, it says, I will put enmity between the woman and you, her seed and your seed. And in light of that, you might expect, since the woman and all feminine pronouns have been used so far, that the final phrase would be she. But it doesn't say that. It says he. Who's the only other guy? Who's the only other man present at this time in Genesis chapter 3? It's Adam. Why? Because God declares very clearly, this one, this hero that represents his people, this hero that's the climactic champion, this is the final Adam. This is the one who does what Adam was supposed to do, and he will crush your head. You could put it this way. Satan thought that he could use man to overthrow God. Here's what God does. God uses man to kill Satan. This is what we call ironic retaliation. God wins in every regard. And that's what Genesis 3.15 announces. But, but, there's, shall we say a catch? It's not really a catch. You see, there's going to be suffering involved in this. God says that the seed, this climactic one, will crush Satan's head. When somebody crushes your head, you're dead. You're defeated. But it says this, that the serpent will strike his heel. The Messiah will have to go through pain. Why? Because this isn't just about having victory. This is about having victory a specific way, through suffering, through satisfying God's wrath against sin, through satisfying God's justice and judgment against iniquity and crimes done against him. This is a foreshadowing, a prediction of what will be the cross. And so in this statement, we have the very plan of God. In this statement, we have the trajectory set. And it is a glorious one. It is about God winning. It is about God showing that nothing can ever question and there is nothing that can ever stop his plans and his purposes. And he is good because he makes things good and he will create and redeem all things for good and deal all things in his holiness. That's what he will do. He is glorious and good and redemption magnifies and unveils his majesty and character in powerful ways and it's all about his son. All of that is going to play out as he preserves a line through history that will give way to the Messiah. That's a glorious plan. And that's what God is going to begin to do. That solves the book of Job as well. And with that, here's what we need to understand about this story. When you're talking about the book of Job, you're talking about, as we said, the biggest questions, the most essential things in life. When you look at Genesis, you're talking about everything because you're talking about everything under the sun and what God is going to do with all of that. There is no more relevant book than the Bible. It's the story of everything. And that makes Genesis, not just a good story, not even a great story, it makes it the story. It's the story of everything. If you want to understand anything in life, you need the story of everything. And that's what we're about to go and journey in, that, that God begins, that God wars, that God wins, and that's the story for us all. Thank you for listening to the Center for Thinking Biblically podcast. To help support this ministry, please visit thinkbiblically.org forward slash donate. To learn more about the Masters University on campus and online undergraduate and graduate programs, visit masters.edu.